Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Real Talk with Jody and Dow. My name is Shaman Dow, and I am your no-nonsense shaman. And this is my very, very passionate, very, very creative co-host, Jody. Go ahead and introduce yourself, Jody. Hi, Dow. Thank you for such the superb introduction. Uh, my name is Jody Long. I am the webmaster of the Near-Death Experience Research Foundation. We also have the After-Death Communication Research Foundation, and we have the Out-of-Body Experience Research Foundation. And these are websites that were created way before the internet got going. So now they are actually at the top of a lot of the leaderboards, you know, Google or wherever you want to call it. It's usually at the top just because we were in so early, which is very nice. It's very helpful as far as our ratings and that kind of stuff. So you're telling me that you, you guys were ahead of the times before the times even came about, huh? <laughs> in regards yeah, well, to that, that was Jeff. He started in 1999 and then I came along a few years later and said, okay, uh, I don't like your color choice. We're going to change it. <laughs> <laughs> and I started taking over the website at that point. Smart woman, smart, smart woman. <laughs> so today we are very passionate. And we were talking before we started uh, on the podcast and we were talking about... We were actually talking about economics. And yeah. I think one of the reasons I was so worked up is because when we were talking about, we were going to do beginnings and endings or endings and beginnings. And Dow was talking about how she wanted to also incorporate cause and effect. And I was thinking, you know, one of the biggest cause and effects on my brain, and it should be on everybody's brain, it shouldn't be whether it's Republican or if it's Democrat, it actually should be, can you eat and put food on your table? These are the solid things that most people want to know about. And these are the things that should consume everybody's viewpoint. Because if you can't eat, you won't be able to have a house. You won't be able to have anything around you that is going to make your life comfortable. You won't have your shelter. You won't have all the necessaries of life. And you're going to scurry around like a little hamster in one of those little wheelie gigs. That's all you're going to be doing is chasing the almighty dollar. And you're never, ever going to have time to be able to have a life, chase the spiritual or anything like that, because you're trying so hard just to feed yourself. And so, yes, I got a little bit disturbed. I heard about a $1.7 trillion. It was just so frustrating to hear that. I'm like going, so how much did you pass before? And what kind of a bill was that? How much even before that? And how much was that? You know, and you start adding trillions, the human brain kind of stops at a million. I mean, a lot of times we can visualize sort of what a million is, but when you start getting up into hundreds of millions and then you start getting up into a trillion, the brain does not compute what exactly that is. It's not like a piece of paper and then you have a big stack here. It's not like that. It's like you have a piece of paper here and your whole room is filled with dollars, you know, or, or pieces of paper. And so in my mind, number one, I don't think most people can compute that. And number two, these idiots who are passing all these spending bills. Okay, let me give you an idea. In the United States, every time they pass this 4,500 page bill that nobody has read all of it, they might have read one or two pages, but they just pass it along a party line. That is taxation without representation. And it aggravates me like crazy. 
I mean, think about it. How many people, every time they pass a bill like that, most people are going to be paying every person in a family $1,000. Now, if you had $1,000 in your pocket and you said, okay, I've got $1,000, what am I going to do with it? Are you going to say, oh, I think Congress deserves it so they can send it to Ukraine or they can send it to Timbuktu and they can finance this green energy thing in a different country, all the things they want to do about it, but it doesn't have anything to do with Americans and putting food in Americans' mouth. Basically, what it has to do with is making sure that we are under control. They want to tell us what to eat, what to buy, what to spend, what to, how to exercise, when to exercise, regulate your sleep patterns. I mean, they want to do all these things via computer and a social credit score, right? And I'm just like going, this is crazy. This is America. We are supposed to have a voice. And you were talking to a friend and you mentioned that that this was fairly representative of what you've been seeing. If you want to go over that, because that's what part of this cause and effect thing that we were talking about. Yeah, I was talking to someone recently, a couple of days ago, and we were talking about mountains in essence of issues that the U.S. we have currently. And this person was talking about how doing something, one person's vote or one person's voice wouldn't do anything or change anything because the system has been in place for so long. These systems that are completely broken have been in the power for so long that has controlled us for so long. This person was like, what's the point? He's a representation of a lot of people here in America where The word is hopeless. They feel indifferent, but also very hopeless because everything that has been done or what has been done, there has been not even a dent to push the system or break the system even further. Because realistically, if something, if a house was overran or it completely molded from the surface to, you know, the interior and the structure, sometimes you got to just start all over. You got to start all over because it's rotted. The wood is rotted. Everything is rotted. And at this moment, everything, when we look around in the system, it's rotted. It's absolutely rotted. And from our prison systems to our foster care systems, to this tax system, to everything, our system. And you were talking about these little hamsters in a wheel. That's the rat race. We are literally the rats trying to get out of this rat race. But unfortunately, the consumerism and the capitalization of everything that's happening in America, it feeds more into you got to consume more. You got to consume more. And people are like, I got to sell more. I got to sell more. The truth is we're all great just as is, but we all have been fed so many different lies. They're, They're lies. You know, one studies here, another studies over there. Five years later, eggs are good. Seven years later, eggs are bad. It's high cholesterol, but it was fat before and it was good for you. And via the media and the pockets and the powers at play, that's the control factor as us as rats sitting here in this maze, in the hamster wheel, trying to run around and see, okay, are we getting anywhere yet? But unfortunately, the wheel just keeps on going around and around only until you jump off the wheel and say, I want to exit. Basically, when people say, I want to exit the matrix and stuff like that and get out of the rat race, this is what they're talking about. And then only our eyes could be open to the truth and the reality of what was once was. 
the system at play, right? I, I agree with your assessment for the most part, but I wanted to just kind of clarify a couple of things. I think capitalism is not a dirty word. And I want to emphasize capitalism is just the exchange of something for something else. That's capitalism. It could be under the guise of barter, or it could be under some other guise. But capitalism is just an exchange of goods. Okay? Consumerism. It's consumerism. Uh-huh. Yes. But so the it- consumerism. Now, I have been against that for a very long time. And I'll tell you why. Because they get these little kids in front of a TV or in front of a screen, and then they bombard them with toys. You must have this. You must have this. You must You must look this way to get attention. You must do this. You must do that. And they are totally bombarded by all these screens that they don't develop their own self-worth. And they think that that is how you're supposed to act. I have a real big problem with businesses that do that. On the other hand, I would say that you could take and you could change a business, big business, and distinguish it from a small business. Because a small business, that's how they put food on their table. And they're not having these mega huge budgets for advertising. You know, they're just trying to get their word out and trying to make money to be able to survive and eat. They, they deserve to be able to do that. Now, the big corporations, yeah, I have a big problem with that because the big corporations seem to think that it's not good enough to be big. You've got to be political or you've got to invest in these ESG things, you know, which is the environment, the social justice stuff and the government. And when you get all of those together, you're looking at fascism where the government and big business are married and they tell people what to do and how to do it. It's no longer a republic. And so I have a big problem with that. And you're right. Consumerism, according to the big guys, the big players, that's not good. But, you know, our small businesses, we need to support them. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And I was so passionate as I was saying it. But listen, <laughs> for me personally, I actually am okay with it too. Professional sales companies and people, if you have something that is of value to sell to others, please do. Please do. The world needs it. But there are people out there who capitalize on things that are really, it's snake oil salespeople day in and day out. And being an ex-mortgage banker and a professional salesperson successful for 14 years, I saw the ins and outs of people who took advantage of clients and customers. And I knew so many professional, just really great salespeople and those in from the mom and pop mortgage bankers and mortgage brokers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And capitalism, America is one of the greatest countries because you come here from any other country or you decide that you want to make money and there's no limit here in America. You have so many resources here that you could pull from to make something of yourself. And that's why I love America because of that. And as someone who's traveled and lived in developing countries, it is something that I will always be so grateful for. Plus also the cleanliness of the hospitals here, <laughs> like in the medical, <laughs> I am so grateful, <laughs> so grateful for the cleanliness and the professionalism here. But other than that, America is so big. I mean, 350 million people, more than 350 million people per the census, right? 
And it's so big. And I was talking with my 10-year-old client today. We were talking about the rules and regulations of how big America is and how he's in this country, this very small country, and how difficult it is for rules and policies and procedures to blanket an entire 50 states, over 350 million people. One law or a couple of laws to blanket the entire United States of America That's a lot. And considering we have so many different people from different backgrounds and different cultures and religions and everyone all underneath, you know, the sun has flown into America to make something of themselves, whatever it may be. And it's, you know, to see it from somebody looking down just at a map, how is it even possible to have one government to regulate 300 over 350 million people? Well, I can tell you that the founders of our Constitution, basically, the states came together and they said, we need somebody that can do business deals, that can protect us in times of war. We need to uh, have a commonality as far as our economics go. And what they did is they said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to give the government this power. And then everything not given to the government goes to the states And then everything that that's not covered by the states, it goes to the people. So what happens is each state is actually a mini experiment because, and they can do whatever they want according to, uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. I think that a lot of the state's rights has gone by the wayside, uh, even though it shouldn't have. The feds have really gone after a lot of power lately with a lot of their things that they think they have power over. But I think what's interesting is you can take and you'll be able to, each state has their own ideas of how things should be run. And you'll see that Utah is very different than Louisiana. Louisiana is very different than New York City. I mean, you've got these many types of people, but I think that you've also got another issue in between there because the way that things are is they're making the cities. People are pouring into the cities because that's where the jobs are. And there's a very big difference between the rural people and, you know, the farmers and the small towns and the people that are in the city. And you'll see that basically a city takes the rural people by the nose and leads them forcibly, you know, and you'll see a lot of that type of stuff. For instance, California, Oregon, and Washington State, the coastal areas are very liberal. And then you'll see the rest of the eastern parts of those states are are very rural, very farm, small town type thing generally. And so you'll see that, that it tips the balance of power so that a lot of times the people with the most land don't get heard. And the people that have the most votes do, you know, so it uh, creates, there's different values. People in the city act and think very differently than people in the country and vice versa, you know, so you've got many different values. And I think there should be maybe some kind of an amendment that might allow for more representation so that things will be a little bit more equal, because otherwise you're just saying, okay, we're going to make this tax and it's going to go to benefit the city. And you guys out here are going to pay for it, too. You know, that's not really very fair, but it happens. Or property tax. They'll go after the property taxes. So 
they should have some kind of say so, you know? Besides voting, what can a normal, just a person do to begin enacting some type of change, something that they feel that they're passionate about and they want something changed within the system? Actually, that's a very good question because you will notice throughout history, if you look at the rise and fall of Rome, you look at the rise and fall of all these different places, you know, Alexander the Great, you see many things happening because a lot of times these cities, they get very corrupt and they get very greedy with taxes. And people are saying, look, we can't even feed ourselves. Why are we giving you all this money and you're not doing anything for us? So one of the things that happens is it's almost like bubbling. You know, it's a, it's a bubbling of, of angst and frustration. But what you can do with that energy is if you get enough people together, and I'm not talking about like any of the, the gangs or anything like that. I'm talking about just normal, everyday people that care about their families. They care about their work. They care about making a living. They care about being comfortable. These are normal American values. If you get enough of those people together, I thought about how I was going to do it, you know, and I said, okay, well, the first thing I'm going to do, strangely enough, I'm going to do the homeowners association. I think I'm going to volunteer for that so I can at least start 